0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. Hi, I'm Brianna Seely, producer for Offscript Health. Welcome to Vax On. Before we get started today, I'd like to tell our listeners about another show in the Offscript Health podcast network, DabbleCo. DabbleCo's mission is to empower women with accurate information provided by actual experts. In each episode, host Claire O'Brien, nurse practitioner and co-founder of The Skin Click, breaks down trending topics in health, wellness, and beauty to challenge what's trending versus what's true. Check out the three-part Roe v. Wade series featuring an OBGYN, pastor, and mother's thoughts on the highly debated topic. For more information, visit offscript.com shows. The link will be in our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hey, Matt. It's uh, it's Tuesday, so that means we're taping Vax on.
0: It is Vax on time, Allura. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm so well. How are you?
0: It's been a minute, right?
1: It's been a minute. Yeah.
0: About a week. That's the cadence of the show. About a minute.
1: Yeah, about a minute. And it's it's um, it's soup outside today. Is the forecast.
0: Well, I know I'm, all about soup because I just took a trip to South Carolina to visit my parents with my wife and kids, and that soup was soup. That yeah, was it's soup every day there. Yeah, it's soup
1: every day there in South Carolina. It was it was so oppressively hot when we went to South Carolina last summer that I felt like we walked out of the hotel and were like immediately struck down by
0: the sun. Well, it was like moistly, humidly. Uh, yeah. You know, what's the word from, from, uh, sultry. It was sultry. It was, so, that's like a nice way to that put it. That was the throw mama from the train Danny DeVito moment. It was sultry. Yes. It
1: feels like in South Carolina, it feels like you walk outside and immediately you're uncomfortable and you hear saxophones playing. <laughs> right? Like it feels like a saxophone is playing at all times.
0: There. So the welcome sign into my parents' community was warning alligators. <laughs> Just general alligators. Or crocodiles, whichever one they were. Oh, did, nobody got eaten though, right? No one got eaten. Ever
1: since that time with that that horrible tragedy of the little boy being eaten in Orlando. I am like terrified of either alligators or crocodiles. But of course, since I'm a city girl, I don't know which one is which.
0: Well, it's funny every but, now and then my dad will send me a picture of a golf course with a, with an alligator again, pick your reptile of choice. I don't know which one is, which walking yeah. across the course. I'll go, oh, yeah, this my dad golfing. With it's an alligator. scary. Yeah.
1: It, that shit's scary. Like they're not kidding. Those fucking animals. No,
0: they're not. It was nice, but I mean, the food was good. The weather was good. It was near the beach. It was fine. Golf course, yeah. mini golf courses was good. Do you golf? I mini golf. Oh, you mini golf. Okay. I beat my dad in mini golf.
1: I played golf one time. I played 18 holes and wanted to die. It was like being <laughs> like criminal level frustrated for like hours and hours. I was like, why would anyone do this?
0: I have a Gen X intervention moment. We're not supposed to say I want to die anymore.
1: Oh, true. No, no. You know what? True. Redacted? <laughs> yeah, redacted. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't hype. But really what
0: the rules are is like never hyperbolize, which is so hard for me. And yeah, then you can't never say anything.
1: Right. I mean, which but is my not- best
0: double negative ever.
1: Yes, I know. Like, I love double negatives. I love hyperboles. It's so difficult to exist, but I'm trying to be precise with my language.
0: Can we still say like gag me with a spoon?
1: I don't want to say that. That was stupid the first time around. Oops. I'd like to be done with that.
0: What about grody to the max?
1: <laughs> no, I, you know, I never, I never participated in Valley Girl Speak. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't do that. And as a result of rebelling against Valley Girl Speak, I can't stand it when people up talk. It drives me crazy. So,
0: but I don't know what you mean.
1: Uh, it tell makes me more. Me, it makes me literally crazy.
0: <laughs> Wait, can you say crazy? We're going to stay crazy.
1: Uh, no, you can't say crazy. Fuck. What the hell can we say anymore? Uh, oh, fuck. Okay. I we, you know what? You know what we can say? Let's channel
0: our rage towards uh, the first segment.
1: I'm channeling my rage, but I have to tell you, I don't know if I'm enraged or not. I'm reporting in about this legal healthcare story solely as a sort of alert. Like fuckery may be a foot, but I don't know enough about the specifics to know if it actually is a foot or not. Like it's it may be so so everybody, you know, listen up with me and if you know more about this topic, please tweet us and call us and write us and all that kind of shit. So pre-fuckery. Pre-fuckery, right? And and you know, in this world where there are these like huge Supreme Court decisions about big things you know like abortion and gun control that everyone's following these other cases are still being decided and they're like not as sexy so they don't get a lot of media coverage and as a result it's easy to just completely miss them so last week this other case was decided 5-4 now 5-4 decisions means like there was major disagreement among the justices and I'll tell you this was not even one that fell along the typical ideological lines the, the makeup of the 5-4 decision was like all over the place. Uh, yeah. And, and here's what it was about. So I don't know if you know this, but there are these hospitals in the US and they are referred to as DSH hospitals. And that stands for disproportionate share hospitals. It means hospitals that serve a lot of low income patients. And to combat the fact that you know low income patients are coming in and they're receiving healthcare services and the hospital doesn't get paid for those services the federal government just gives those hospitals extra money to deal with that problem okay
0: now, that sounds okay
1: it's totally good that is totally good that's not a problem at all everyone agrees we should continue having this system but anyway so the federal government gives extra money to these dsh hospitals now how much extra money the government gives them. And it's part of Medicare. So that's why it's like super confusing, right? What is in question is, well, how much money do the hospitals get? Because there's a formula applied to the hospitals that takes into account like how many Medicare patients did they serve. And it's like this whole big confusing calculation, right? Um, I won't go into that because that's like super confusing. And I'm already was, confused
0: for the record. So right. <laughs> go on. So there, there's there's disagreements
1: between the federal government. And the hospitals, about, the hospitals think that they're entitled to more money and, to offset these costs. And the federal government is like, we're already giving you money. So the, some of the hospitals sued. And they were like, hey, Biden administration, you owe us $600 million because you undercalculated this extra money we're supposed to get. And that was the dispute, whether or not the federal government was giving these special hospitals enough extra payment. You know, like Were they complying with the formula? that was like what was that issue right and now if you think about it right and this is this is why i bring it up this is potential for major fuckery because one of two things is true either the federal government is like seriously underpaying hospitals that most need the money to serve people who most need the medical services and to the tune of 600 million dollars which seems fucked up if that's what's happening
0: I mean just on the that, that doesn't seem like a lot of money if you're looking at like I don't know what our GDP is. We spend more money than God on Well, healthcare. this is
1: Yeah, but this is only one hospital system that sued though. Oh. So this is like one hospital system sued and said like, "Hey, you owe us 600 million dollars." And if the answer is yes, they do owe it to you, then probably the government owes that money to like every hospital system.
0: Right. Floodgates right? begin.
1: Exactly. So it's either that situation that like the government is seriously underpaying the hospitals. Or the federal government is already paying a pretty hefty bill, and the hospitals are engaging in some fuckery trying to get more.
0: So what's the court case?
1: Right. So the court case was called Becerra versus Empire Health Foundation. Um, Becerra is the Secretary of Health and Human Services versus Empire Health Foundation, which is one of these hospital systems. And so, I mean, the thing is, I don't know enough about what goes into reimbursing hospitals to really know- if I think the hospitals were due this extra money, what I do know is that this hospital system said it was due this money. And the Supreme Court ruled five to four that the federal government is already paying them enough money and the hospitals are not entitled to any additional funding. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, again, I told you, you know, it's, it's a complicated formula. I don't really understand exactly how to apply it. Most of the Supreme Court decision tried to outline how this formula gets applied, but it's like a total fucking mess. But the thing is something like this, which is, a, it's a totally nonpartisan issue, right? This is not really a political issue. Really, you know, you're talking about things that are just missed in, in the media because they're not like exciting, but we should wanna know, like is our federal government underpaying hospitals money that is due to them or are hospitals taking advantage of the government? And, and I think it's important
0: to keep those things on our radar, I mean, my inclination is that if a hospital is a private company, you know, I'm just going to say it. If a hospital is a hospital, they're going to overbill because that's what they do to make money. They overbill.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like a law firm, like in the firm, right? He got them on overbilling. Right. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise to the win. Go see Top Gun Maverick if you haven't, folks. Yes. And back to Mitch McDear. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what they do. I mean, this is all Medicare stuff. So, and it's all set out by the Medicare statute. So regardless of what the hospitals are doing in their other billing, it is important to know that the hospitals are like following the Medicare rules when they make their claims. So like, it would be good if everybody agreed, but but let me just say this on a broader scale. Um, It's kind of fucked up to me that or the, the amount of reimbursement due to hospitals to serve who serve low-income patients is so complicated that even the Supreme Court couldn't fucking figure out what it means. Like that's not a good system. If it's so complicated that no one can figure out what the rules are, how is anyone supposed to follow those rules? Just throw an embryo in there.
0: What could go wrong? <laughs>
1: so it's kind of like none of us are this is, you know, we all sort of figure, like, I don't know, someone else will figure this out. I mean, that was even my Reaction as I was reading the Supreme Court case, like, I have no idea if this is, if I think this is correct, because it's so much work for me to figure out the underlying facts that I don't even fucking know what's going on. But I mean, that in and of itself is a major problem because if I can't figure it out and I'm trying to, and the Supreme Court justices also can't figure it out and they're in charge of deciding, who is it that's in a position to figure it out?
0: Right. So when we say healthcare is fucked, <laughs> it's just scraping the surface there.
1: Right. And it's not like little things, it's like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. So, like, perhaps we should create rules that are easy to follow and easy to get correct.
0: Uh, perhaps we should. <laughs> I laugh and giggle hysterically.
1: Perhaps. I mean, just a thought.
0: It's just kind of nice to know the Supreme Court does other things besides destroy the country.
1: Yes, yes, they do. They do it's matter- You know, look, they gave half of Oklahoma back to the Native Americans recently. I mean, you know, yeah. that's something.
0: Gorsuch, yeah. even I knew that because you told me. But still.
1: I always say he's like angling for a recurring role on Yellowstone. Right. But anyway, um, so yeah, so that's my story. That that's just a little um, you know, it's kind of like reporting in from from other potential healthcare fuckery out there.
0: So I wanna divert this to our second segment, which I'm I'm conflating with the I keep mentioning like the Scrooge McDuck bank vault where he swims in the money, which is these households like mine with forty thousand home tests in them that we never <laughs> use unless we're symptomatic, which we never are, but yet COVID's all over the place and no one's dying. And where are we blurring the lines on what is going on?
1: Yeah. So now it sounds like it's really a problem because people aren't testing as much. So we have like no idea what the COVID statistics are. Right. It's sort of a good problem to have, right? Because we were much more um, strict with the testing when having COVID was so much more frightening. And the, the fact that people are generally a lot more lax about it is like a side effect of the fact that it's not, you know, it's not fatal for most people. And it's for for many of us, it's just not that big of a deal. So people aren't compelled to get tested every time they have sniffles. Right. So, I mean, it's a good sign, but it's, it's not ideal when we're trying to manage a pandemic when there's like, regulations and stuff out there if we don't have
0: accurate numbers. Well, the trucks here in New York are still out every day, but I never see anyone in line for them anymore. And I went to City MD today and there's usually like a normal line of people just wanted to get regular tested and they're not. I mean, are their kitchen drawers filled with home tests that they're not using?
1: I want to yeah, you know, that's funny you say that because on the way to the studio, when I drive in and I tape from the off script studio, there's like a tent right outside the studio and there's never anybody there online to get to COVID tested.
0: Unreal. Well, maybe not unreal. I mean, is this the world we want it to be living in where we're just living with it? And that's what it is.
1: You know, I don't know. And and I think that the idea that our statistics are really not reliable bothers me because I know how much there is at stake, you know, especially when we still have, you know, maybe not government regulations as much. But there are certainly private companies that have their own restrictions in place. Like, for example, my my son is taking part in a one week internship in Washington, D.C. later this summer. And the COVID restrictions are seriously fierce. He has to COVID test every single day during this one week thing. What? I know. And the thing is, it's based on trying to be as careful as possible, which is great. But to me, it seems like it would be relevant to know what the numbers are at the time.
0: No, we have to, as a society, I guess, to the extent that we can agree that it's just now at a point where we're not dying from it as much at at all. I'm not going to quote stats here. I'm not trying to angry people who've lost people to this disease. But are we at a point where we're just living with it now and that's it? There's nothing we can do. And I know we're going to talk about like other sub variants at some point because there's like the zombie one is just waiting to happen. But until it does, are we just living with it?
1: I mean, you know, I think that those things are not mutually exclusive. I feel like we can absolutely be living with it and accepting what's going on and not freaking out about it, but also be keeping track of, what the numbers are. It's kind of like, um, you know, like the wildfires, you know, like y- y- we deal with them. And even when we get them under control, we still pay attention to what the air pollution levels are. I don't ever think it's useless to have good data about what's going on for a public health emergency a- across the spectrum of the population. Like it's always going to be good to have that information. So I don't think just saying like, well, you know, It's not fatal
0: anymore, so it doesn't matter that we don't have the the right data. Like, that just bugs me. Yeah, we should want to have the right data at any point for anything if it matters, period. I feel like it matters only because, like, it would
1: change how I behave if I knew all of a sudden the numbers were really
0: up. To an extent, I agree with you, but...
1: I think it would.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Right, so if, like, workforce thinning because of this is just what it is it's going to affect airlines hospitality restaurants i suppose it would be nice if every
1: time you got on an airplane you had more than like a 50 50 chance of getting back given the freaking labor shortage like that's a serious problem
0: yeah we can get into the whole pilot strike and the delta strike but at the same time it's time for a commercial break we'll be right back from not airlines or maybe airlines enjoy the break
1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So, Matt, we're back. Um, Are you feeling foggy?
0: Residually? um, Eternally, yes. Eternally foggy. Why are you eternally foggy? Well, I have something called chemo brain, which is... Finally, after many, many years, a clinically proven evidence-based late effect of cancer treatment that affects your cognition, your executive function, your abilities to process information, and it's kind of inversely proportional to aging, so it gets worse, but you can't use it as an excuse anymore once you get really old like me, but it does harken a time where people didn't take you seriously. Oh, get over it. There's no such thing. Chemo brain is, is made up. Get over it. Kind of like
1: the way people used to say about ADD. Right, right. People often used to say that ADD was made up.
0: Yeah, get over it. There.
1: And, and I think people have, you know, society as a whole has become a lot more sensitive to neurodiversity as a topic generally, and um, to specific inabilities to focus, things like that. So a chemo brain is something that if that if a person experiences it, does it last like forever?
0: It can. It can last forever. Again, every single person that goes through like terrible radiation or chemotherapy that affects the brain is going to have some kind of late effect manifested depending on who they are but is it it,
1: only people who had brain cancer or people who had any kind of cancer
0: chemotherapy writ large again everything is so genetically individualized at this point today that it used to be easy bake oven for everyone in the 1980s and 90s but yes cognitive deficits and executive function damage are real and you may have to live with the consequences of them which is an over-under because you'd rather be alive with them than dead without them sure but yeah it's real and and the brain fog of covid is also now real we we can't just say oh you haven't had covid in two years get over it
1: yeah this is something that we've heard um kind of since the beginning of covid that covid can cause some kind of effects. you know um whether it's confusion or you know they're they said fogginess or covid brain or you know whatever I, we've heard it called and it sounds like they're they're really doing some good research into that specific symptom um i i read about this study in mice and it said which i'm i'm always like Confused about the use of mice and this kind of stuff. Like, so the study with the mice said that the virus disrupted the normal activity of several brain cell populations and left behind signs of inflammation. And somehow this is going to help us understand the cognitive disruption caused by COVID 19. What would you rather them do research on puppies or mice? No, definitely not. But this is my question. (laughs) So when they test the mice, how do they know if their brains are foggy? Um, Like, are they. Are they like, are they like, you know, you you started, you used to use the Oxford comma, but you don't use it anymore. (laughs) Like, are they like, like, I don't understand. Like, are they, like, it seems like kind of a nuanced thing to begin with. Is it all like mice in the maze? Like, I need to know this about the mice.
0: I trust the people after all these years of studying science stuff on mice that they know what they're doing. They can tell if the mice are stupid. They can tell if the mice are stupid. Yeah.
1: Like, were the mice smart to begin with? I just need to know more about this all. So they're testing the mice. Like, and also, I, I also need to know, relevant to COVID-19, like, are they sure that they were working with people who had a full deck before COVID?
0: Right, yeah. We we don't have a baseline for this <laughs> Like, at all. I need
1: to know, because if you think about it, right, like, are we only talking about the people who refused to get vaccinated because they thought they were going to become magnetic? Because I have questions about those people and their cognitive abilities anyway.
0: Right, but again, I have the Bill Gates chip, so I'm fine.
1: Right, right. And me too. I mean, I I can, I can. don't need my cell phone. I could just put my finger right up to right. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like the Maxwell smartphone. It's like exactly. his shoe and his thumb. Yeah.
1: So I'm like fascinated by all this because I said the mouse model was engineered as a close stand-in for humans. And I know that that's been done in lots of medical contexts. Um, and they meant, you know, they they basically tried to mimic the experience of someone with a mild COVID-19 infection. And, um, and it, you know, it was a whole thing. They put, the, they put the cells into the mice the 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 mice mice the mice the mice get get it right respiratory tract um and the infection cleared up but then they ended up staying with the brain fog um so you know it's this is this is good medical news right because it means that there's like a scientific basis for them to keep on studying this as a real symptom am i am i getting that right
0: i think the part where where we're missing out on is that a virus can cause brain fog and that oh it's just the flu has just gone completely out the door even though it was already out the door years ago this is not the flu this is something brand new concocted in some lab somehow that can completely destroy your cognition besides making you sick that's true and and
1: you know that's a really good point because um i know that from my own experience with covid i absolutely felt like well I guess it's sort of like a flu because I, you know, the flu makes you feel really shitty and COVID made me feel really shitty, but it seemed sort of like flu plus, you know, like flu, flu but like kind of worse. Like you know? Paramount plus, but different. Exactly, exactly. Um, generally speaking, other viruses, I've never heard anyone talk about brain fog. The only time I've ever heard talk of brain fog, um, w- it, you know, other than in the cancer context, has been in the pregnancy context. That pregnancy like makes you all kinds of wacky. Right. And and it's like a very real thing. And I know women talk about it all the time. So, I mean, it's new though, that it's, th- that it's the, the direct result of a virus. So um, to me, again, like it kind of underscores how important it is to try your best to avoid getting this virus um, by getting vaccinated or, you know, taking other precautions, because the last thing you want is to have a virus cause your brain to not function the right way. To me, that's much scarier than any of the other stuff.
0: Well, it goes back to our other shows on long COVID, which is we have no idea as a species the late effects of this mutant thing that this is because there's never been anything quite like it before. Am I going to all of a sudden get foggy in like a
1: couple of years? No, think?
0: that's just aging.
1: OK, because I, I don't know that I can handle it. I already can't remember anything.
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned this at the top of my little rant, but I there there is um, an X and Y axis crossing at some point where aging meets chemo brain. Well, you just have no excuses anymore. and You're just going to be fucked. You're just like, I'm over
1: it. How about like right now I'm using like I'm too stressed and that's why I can't remember anything. So maybe I should just try out COVID as an excuse. And oh, see if God. Like I had COVID. Leave me alone. My brain doesn't work anymore. I don't know.
0: You got to get a hall pass for that one.
1: But I feel like, you know, I, uh, I have a friend who who swears that she has major cognitive deficits from it. And I mean, that has to be a terrifying thing. And given so many people who have had COVID, I wonder if that, you know, just kind of the sheer numbers, you know, might mean that there's more funding for research and hopefully treatment for this. And
0: um, I mean, I hope, right? Well, again, there's so much unknown here because we never could have predicted that there would be a thing after the thing. Right. No one foresaw. Oh, it's just the. we knew it wasn't the flu on day one. But what we didn't know is that the human body would react so egregiously uh, disparately from a traditional virus like this
1: right and that like some people would get like a sniffle and some people would like just have every kind of symptom and some people had stomach symptoms some people had respiratory symptoms it was like all over the freaking place
0: and just when we first learned even in early 2020 when we first learned that one of the symptoms was you lose your sense of smell yeah and that was like a really weird one that doesn't happen with normal viruses right did it happen to you when you had covid i did it did happen, yes.
1: I was waiting for that, um, and it did not happen to me. And I was like really waiting, but I was extra hungry when I had oh, yeah. COVID. <laughs> I was really hungry the whole time. Uh, I was waiting. I was like, "Where is that sense of smell? Maybe I'll like go on a diet and just eat lettuce and not care." Right, but Alas, there are
0: still communities, thousands of people who never regain their sense of smell. That's really scary. It's terrifying. I There's mean, because, so much unknown here.
1: Yeah, and and like to lose any of your five senses, like that's such a big deal. Um, and, and, you know, it, it kind of speaks to the, just the long-term seriousness of COVID and why it's so important to, that we take precautions and, and why we become vaccinated and, and all of that stuff. Um, because it is a serious illness. It's not, you know, despite the fact that it's not killing people, it still is a serious thing to take into consideration. Yeah.
0: I don't have full data on this, but I did a panel, I mentioned this on the show a while ago, I did a panel on long COVID and from what I learned then, this was two months ago, most of the people with these chronic late effects of COVID had original COVID, COVID classic or uh. Delta. Omicron has yet to be proven because it's less lethal. It's less invasive uh, to have had the same scale known long-term side effects. And I, again, going back to my virology training. Ooh, Going I, back to when you were a, when you were an esteemed virologist. Yes, back in my virology days. Uh, I, I just remember this from talking to some folks to, a couple of years ago on my show. When a virus keeps mutating into various subvariants, it's trying to stay alive. And eventually right, it peters right, right. out by creating so many subvariants. It's it's basically playing like – um, it's just playing, playing cards. It's trying to figure out the odds of which one of its subvariants can survive. Mm-hmm.
1: And and it's the one that outsmarts the mice, right? That's the one that survives?
0: It's the one made of Chuck Norris.
1: Okay, just checking.
0: The Chuck Norris variant will kill us all.
1: So that's our story on the mice today. Um, mice are not so much on my brain because um, I don't know if you know this. It's, I don't know if I sound extra tired today, but I am extra tired. A little I have tired. My own, I have my own brain fog today, but it has nothing to do with COVID. And it has everything to do with a fox that comes to my house every single night. And
0: is he so followed in, by a hair?
1: Yeah, no, it is by not. I wish I, I wish it were followed by literally anything that would kill it um, because and I'm sorry for all the nature lovers out there. But this motherfucking box comes every night into my cul-de-sac and wakes us all up every single day at like 3 a.m. So because I don't know if you've ever heard a Fox, but it sounds like a baby being eaten. It is Can't you, like just
0: trank it and call animal services.
1: Well, you can't, I mean, they're they're fast, though. They're like fast little fuckers out there.
0: What if everyone held the trank at it at the same time?
1: I would be all for it. But listen, so listen, so this is my night every single night. The fox wakes us all up at 3 a.m. because it is so loud. And my husband, gentleman that he is, gets up out of bed in his boxer shorts, goes downstairs into the cul-de-sac outside with a giant whip and snaps the whip on the ground. Oh, my God. And, and that scares the fuck. And then it goes away for the night, only to return the next night. We don't know what else to do.
0: And here I am complaining about the Q train.
1: (laughs) This is my life. This is life in the suburbs with the foxes. Anyway.
0: Well, I will end with a quick note that I just came back from visiting my parents in South Carolina. I wasn't going to say this, but you brought it out. They have birds the size of Tic Tacs that sound like (laughs) trains and locomotives (laughs) at three in the morning. So... I feel like in the My Cousin Vinny, where he, the train's is waking up every night, <laughs> they have birds the size of Tic that make this massive sound at three in the morning. Hilarious. And, uh, yeah. Not wildlife. hilarious, but sound-
1: Li- Wildlife for it the win. It sounds
0: hilarious, yes. And oh, so on that note.
1: On that note, thank you to all of our creatures, big and small. Those <laughs>
0: Mice, foxes, mice. disastrously those- tiny, loud insect birds Right, in exactly. Those who
1: help with medical science and those who just ruin my sleep. <laughs> so
0: Thank you to all. All right, we'll see you back here next week, folks. Ilura, thank you again for a wonderful, wonderful conversation.
1: Thanks, Matt. Facts on. See you soon.
0: That's all for now. If you like Facts on, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message
1: for us at eight five five AUDIO sixty six, and we might just use it in a future show. VaxOn is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seeley. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Allura Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.